0: A recent post on sojo.net grabbed my attention with the striking headline, After a Summer of Crisis, Churches Can't Go Back to Business as Usual. The article's author, the Reverend Tom Eric, made a passionate case that the tragic events of this past summer demand that our churches refocus and redouble their efforts in ministry and in mission. The events in Ferguson, he argues, revealed disturbing trends in law enforcement and deep fault lines between the white and black experience in this country. And as a church, we must do what we can to bridge the gaps. Russia's aggression against Ukraine threatened a resumption of dangerous tensions between the East and the West. And as those called to work for peace, we need to find something to say. The Islamic State of Iraq and Syria raised the specter of a take-no-prisoners war on modernity, reason, progress, women, and other faiths. And as those called to love our enemies as we love ourselves, we must respond. Reverend Eric goes on to talk about gridlock in Washington, the immigration crisis, and the growing gap between the rich and poor. It was an inspiring article. And a great reminder that a lot has happened this summer, a lot has happened, that demands our church's attention. But I have to be honest, a part of me flinched, a part of me recoiled at the idea that the world needs us now more than ever. Every summer, every time, every season brings forth tragedies and injustices that we, as the church, are called to dive into with an open heart and an open mind. There is no time where our neighborhoods and our nation and our world doesn't need what we, the church, have to offer. This is what Jesus is getting at in today's passage from Matthew. Internal strife, scholars think. Internal strife was threatening the community that Matthew was writing to. And so he recounts one of Jesus' more difficult teachings about how we are to deal... With internal conflict. The church's focus focus and mission is so important to the world that Jesus lays out a brutal three-step process of reconciliation that begins with a one-on-one conversation and ends with the offender standing before the whole church. It's an intense process laid out by Jesus that adds a level of importance to the work to which we have been called. So my question today, this morning, is what is it then, what is it that we churches, churches like Fairmount, what is it that we have to offer the world that is so important that we would risk offending and removing one of our own people? What do we have to give to the world that no one else on earth has to offer? Your leadership, the session this past week at their meeting, discussed the blog post by Luther Seminary President David Loos that compared the American church's struggle with dwindling attendance and dwindling participation. He compared that to soccer's inability, or football, soccer's inability to gain a foothold on the American sports scene. Despite being the number one sport in perhaps every other nation, Soccer has not really gained traction here in the United States the way it has around the world. He then goes on to ask, why is that? It's because there's too much competition here, too many choices for folks each and every week, and frankly, on Sunday morning. Some people aren't here today because they're going to watch the Browns before they lose. I mean, wait. I meant, I meant, I meant they're going to watch them. You know what I meant. They're undefeated, is what I was trying to say. You must embrace hope. Hope is real. So we talked about that for a while, comparing the church to soccer. It was a fun conversation. Then he asked in the article, he asked what we as a church would do differently. What would we do differently if we too saw ourselves competing in a competitive marketplace? How would we do church in a fresh, creative way if we accepted that people have a lot of good options from which to choose? It's a great question. And your elders came up with some great ideas. But as I walked away from the meeting, I realized something. Before we adapt our practices, and we do have practices that might need adapting, before we try to be more competitive in a marketplace of options, we need to first figure out what it is that we have to offer as a church that no one else does. So, in my experience, when any business or nonprofit or faith community tries to be all things to all people, failure is not too far behind. Before you can market a product, you have to be clear what it is you're selling. So, what do we have to offer that no one else has? What do we have to give that no one else in the world has in store? Let's start by what we don't have a corner on. we don't have alone. It's not love. People, plenty of people, experience love in other communities, in other contexts, in other relationships, besides relationships in a church. Christians do not have the market cornered on love or compassion. It's not justice either. As important as justice is to our call as Christians, there are many people of other faiths and people of no faith at all who are deeply committed to righting the wrongs of our society. Perhaps it's joy. Perhaps we have joy to offer. No, not that either. No offense. You are a fun group of people, but if we try to market joy and happiness, we will lose. There are many other things that are frankly just more fun than church. How about God? That's it. We have God. No one else has God. Maybe that's what we want to tell ourselves. It's tempting to make that claim, and some churches have. But to claim that we alone have God is a bold-faced lie. God is at work in and outside the walls of the church. So what is it, then, that we have to offer that no one else on earth does? I've got church picnics on my mind, and I was recall the story that Tom Long likes to tell about the first church picnic he attended at Nassau Presbyterian Church in Princeton, New Jersey. Nassau is located right on Princeton's main campus, which means it is full of really smart people, not the place you want to preach. Professors, seminary students, grad students, all much smarter than you. As he navigated his way from the buffet line of casseroles to a picnic table near the back, Tom ended up sitting next to a man who looked a little bit out of place. After exchanging greetings, Tom asked the man how long he had been a member at Nassau. Oh, Lord, he responded, I have been here all my life. I'm the last non-intellectual left in this congregation. To be honest, I haven't understood a sermon here in 25 years. (laughs) But then he sighed and said, you know what, though? I'm never going to leave. Tom was curious, why not? If you're so miserable, why wouldn't you leave? Well, he said, about 25 years ago, I joined a small group that takes the church van every Monday night to a youth correctional facility up in Somerville, New Jersey. Most of the time, we just play ping pong with the kids or talk to them. Sometimes we might do a Bible study. I started going because I thought it was the right thing to do what we Christians ought to do. But now I wouldn't miss a Monday. I enjoy the ride with the volunteers and the time with the kids. More than anything else, that time feeds my soul. And the man paused, thought for a moment, and said this, You know, you can't prove any of the promises of God in advance. But if you live them, They are true, every one. Tom later reflected that might have been the best sermon preached there in the past 25 years. You can't prove the promises of God in advance, but if you live them, they are true, every one. You're an odd bunch of people, no offense, but you're odd. Typically, we join a community because we share similar interests with the people in it. We join the soccer team because we like soccer. We sit on the board of a nonprofit because we are passionate about the cause. We hang out with friends because we like being with them. We share common interests. But to be honest, those rules don't apply to church. You may think that you were the one that chose this church family of faith. But trust me, you didn't choose these people. God chose you to be among them. There's this great line at the end of today's passage from Matthew that is often quoted out of context. In verse 20, Jesus makes the promise that where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there among them. But this promise of his presence is not meant to be a word of encouragement during difficult times. In the context of Matthew's hard but necessary teaching about the need for a unified community of faith, this promise of Jesus' presence is meant to remind us just how important church really is. Wherever and whenever we gather for mission, for worship, for prayer, for study, for fellowship, Jesus is there adding weight and importance to every single thing we do. In a world where reconciliation between races and tribes and religion and nations In factions, in schools, families, in a world where reconciliation may be the only way forward for any of us to live in peace, we the church are called to be a community of faith that offers a way for people with different interests, different perspectives, different families, different values, different beliefs even, to live together as one. In the end, the one thing that we have to offer the world that no one else has to offer is ourselves. This endeavor we call church is not just a nice thing we do from time to time. It's the most important thing I think we will ever be a part of. Because we are what the world needs. We are God's embodiment of God's love, mercy, and peace. Now, to be clear, we are not what the world needs because we have secret wisdom or special power. We are what the world needs because when we, in all of our diversity, love one another, support one another, listen to each other, and forgive each other, we change the world by revealing what is possible with God. We show the world that with God there is a better way to live together. As one, Which means that if you desperately want to know God better, we have to take the time to get to know each other better. If you want to experience the grace and love of God in your life, you have to practice extending the grace and love of God first here in this community of faith to the people you sit near nearby every, each and every week. If you want this church to grow in influence and numbers and impact, We all need to make more time for the mission and ministries of this church. And if you want to see an end to violence and greed and hatred and injustice in this world, we need to work on eliminating those things right here in this community of faith. You can't prove any of the promises of God in advance. just can't do it. But if you live them out in a community like this, In time, they are true. Every single one. Amen.